And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. On to Waveland, also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. A lot of good baseball stuff to be watching on your DirecTV Stream uh, the last couple days. We will get into uh, postseason talk, the you know extracurriculars associated with the White Sox Astros series, um, and of course the. As we're recording this, it's Tuesday morning, so the Red Sox are the only LDS team to have moved on so far. Uh, but I wanted to start with uh, whether you guys consider yourselves both White Sox and Cubs fans, and whether that's legal. Is that, <laughs> is that lawfully allowed? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'll say this. Here, here's... I... I I take particular issue with this because I'm trying to raise my kids to just be baseball fans. And wait a my minute, son real quick. Is- so I I think I know what you mean, but I want you to amplify because I don't think you mean what a lot of listeners would think you mean, which is like that you're not. Yeah. A, you're saying you can't have a team. You can't have a favorite. No, team. no, no. They both they both say they're Cubs fans and that they, you know, they root for the Cubs first and foremost. But I also I'm not like it's hard to grow up in the city and and not pick a side. I I, I realized that when I moved to the city, when you like we live in Evanston now, uh, people aren't as intense about it, at least not yet. When I moved to the city, I, I understood a little bit more why like people are really antagonistic about it. And uh, it, it's hard to not develop a distaste for the other side when you're purely a fan. Right. Uh but with like the White Sox are a fun brand of baseball right now. I want my kids to appreciate that. My son loves Tim Anderson. I don't. What do I? I don't want to be the dad that says you can't root for the White Sox. This is a Cubs household. That that feels kind like that feels borderline. You know, insane to me. Okay, like that's that's how I feel about that. And I, I he loves Juan Soto. He loves Fernando Tatis. He's uh, he loves you know all sorts of different players on different teams. And I want him to. To appreciate that, I when I was growing up uh, in the '90s is what arguably one of the worst decades uh, of Cubs baseball outside of 1998. Uh, it, it just awful Cubs baseball, nothing to really cling on to and enjoy outside of some random moments here and there. You know, late '90s excluded, but. Uh, Frank Thomas was hard to not appreciate. My dad was a is a White Sox fan. My brother is a White Sox fan. 
I was going to enjoy that. Like, I love baseball, so I was going to enjoy that. But I get it. I get when you move to the city, there's a lot of antagonism. I just think it's silly, and I think they're – I think – policing fans and making rules about how you can be a fan and what's right and what's wrong you want to yell at someone about like i don't like the cubs and cubs stink and you're in the ballpark and it's cubs socks and you want to get into that sure as long as it's not physical you're not going too far yeah have some fun with it but also you know you can't i just don't think i think it's nonsensical to try and police people and say like you can't be a fan of this team if you're a fan of this team that means you can't even you can never root for this team like it's just dumb it's it's a meatball way of looking at things and like you're you're living like a you know you're still a a child uh mentality in my opinion like it you know which you know that's you can say that about a few things but i'll I'll stop he's so careful (laughs) no it's good it's well put well put I'm a fan of players who just pop off and say random stuff <laughs> after games that go viral. Uh, you know, unlike Dusty Baker, I had heard of Ryan Tapera before this week, but I, you know, I get what Dusty's saying. You know, I'm a fan of whatever team he pitches the sixth inning for. And uh, I do feel like that was a missed opportunity that Ryan Tapera's uh two seasons with the Cubs did not come with clubhouse access because uh, there was another moment earlier this year. Maybe he got fined for throwing. Yeah. He got suspended. He threw behind Brandon Woodruff. And so he, he basically called the game soft or something like that. Yes. Um, So love what he He did there of just (laughs) bringing up no filter, uh, the uh, cheating Astros, which, you know, that suspicion is well earned and well deserved. Um, and just his delivery, watching the clips on Twitter, was just so perfectly matter of fact. And then saying, oh, I don't want this to be the story. We played well tonight. It's like, well, <laughs> as our colleague James wrote, like, this is kind of what baseball is. It's a lot of talking about stuff other than baseball, whether it's the appropriate level of fandom or like the unwritten rules or the latest scandals or like you know the nerds versus old school like it was very baseball in 2021 so i will appreciate that and um think a game five would be pretty interesting back home in front of the trash cans in houston (laughs) (laughs) he's talking about the actual trash cans that wasn't like an attack on anyone uh yeah i i think i've mentioned this before that the uh, and it kind of ties actually to the to the fandom conversation. Some of my favorite baseball stuff is when it is salacious, borderline scandalous things that that maybe at most rub up gently against the Cubs, but don't actually directly involve the Cubs so that I can just enjoy the shit out of them without any <laughs> worry of repercussion or anything. And this the, the Tapera Astros thing is perfect, right? Because he, of course, came from the Cubs was fantastic with them and, and traded at the deadline to the White Sox. Uh, l- much less attention than the Craig Kimbrell trade got, but Spare has actually been considerably better with the White Sox. And uh, we get to enjoy the spiciness of it uh, without, you know, I, I, it doesn't affect me at all. I don't, I, I can, I can just cover it from a purely <laughs> schadenfreude perspective. And, um, you know, now, of course, I want. Uh, I don't know what I thought about the fandom aspect, but now, of course, I want the White Sox to at least win this game. Give me a game five and give me a, uh, you know, 
we joked about this before on the podcast, right? Like, I want some Tony Larusa, Dusty Baker, face to face screaming match near fisticuffs uh, <laughs> out there. And I was I was a little chapped that while Dusty took the bait very well, appreciated, thank you. Uh, Tony did not. Uh, his comment on this was something, wasn't it? Something like I didn't really read about it. I I don't know. I saw a headline, or and it's like what? Yeah, well, maybe that is true. I think like Yon Yon Makata like was like I don't even know like what what this is like. What, what like, he was acting like he didn't know that the Astros had cheated or something. I missed the quote exactly, but he was just like I don't know what you guys are talking about. That the Astros cheated. That was the story. They did what? <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding! Well, uh, Somebody uh, should do I, something about that. It was literally the last answer of a long night right it was the end of the night a very long game the last person in the press uh room uh you know we're, we're in this room now for the first time in in a while uh what over two years right uh that we've been able to go in that room and and uh so you know i this is he's he's in the middle of saying this right uh he he answered i think i asked about just like uh you know what what it was like uh, you know go getting up and down and like being able to work two innings he hadn't done that in two months and and he kind of he said something where he touched on that he's like it's a you know the the home crowd really pumped me up and and they're a different team on the road we're we're we have our home field advantage they have their own home field advantage you know uh, like it I was like what's he saying there like almost like wanted to follow up and I was like okay maybe I'm reading too much into that and someone did follow up thankfully and as he's saying this, you know, we all have masks on, so I can't really read everyone's expression, but I know what I, my expression is like, is anyone else like <laughs> just like baffled that he's saying this right now? Why are you saying this? Stop. Like in my head, I'm like, you don't want to say this if you're like, you don't want to give them material. Like, And this isn't sure. Uh, I, I never want to rule out that teams are still cheating and that they're still cheating. I don't have any evidence of it. So I don't like throwing out accusations that they're doing it, but uh, just go look at their numbers. If they're cheating at home, they're probably cheating on the road too. whatever they're doing. It, it works on the road. So however they're getting their results, it works. It works well. I, I also think like, you know, I don't want to dive too into the, the thought process of this. He just said something without thinking, right? He just like, he likes throwing out shit and, you know, that's fun for us. But also like you're putting down your own team too, right? Aren't you? Like you, you struck out a team that's really hard to strike out 16 times. Like, why don't you just pump yourselves up and say, hey, we're, we're awesome. That like... Whether these guys are cheating or not, we're 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 awesome, and we can get them out. Like home, road, it doesn't matter. I the whole thing was kind of like, I don't think you thought this through, Ryan. But hey, this is great for us. And and like I joked about in our chat earlier, someone asked, "What's a what's the who do you guys want for GM?" Uh, I I was like, whoever whoever will tell us the most information. Yeah. <laughs> like that's I what that I want. Answer. Like. <laughs> <laughs> just just give me info, on, you know, when I text you, answer. <laughs> <laughs> this was, I think, Brett, you and I talked about in the last podcast of just like the Dusty Baker effect on, on a series. Like definitely got some flashbacks to that game five in Washington when uh, Grandal <laughs> got, got hit in the shoulder or whatever. And just you knew something like this was going to it took a while in this Astros White Sox series to get to the place of just insanity but at least uh 
we got there and get to enjoy a game four today. So that is, and the- I'll I'll just say I'll just say this. I just as an aside, it's been a while since I've covered a playoff game with fans, and it's awesome. Like the vibe is great. It's a different feeling uh, in the ballpark. I, I know we got uh, that Cubs Cardinals the first series with the fans in 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 Wrigley this year, full capacity. I mean. Uh, that was awesome, but there's another level to playoff baseball, and it's we, we haven't had it at Wrigley in a while with fans. Uh, so hopefully we get that again. That's it's fun to cover. It's fun to be there. Uh, it, it's it was intently the way the press box is is in the south side. They're right there. They're right in front of you. Uh, so so we could feel the intensity, and it, it's it's fun to feel that. And I I I hope we get to feel that uh at Wrigley again soon because it's it's just fun. Playoff baseball in this city is is a good time, and, and people get into it. So so we, we need to keep that up. Yeah, probably by virtue of the volume of games. Like, this isn't a, a unique thing to Wrigley, where uh, because there are so many games, the intensity difference between a regular season game and sort of the socializing level that you have during regular season game versus postseason baseball is just shockingly different, uh, that the the way the energy diverges when you get to, to postseason baseball and Cubs fans, unless you went to that uh, wildcard game in 2018, you it's been a, it's been a minute since you've had a chance to experience that. Uh, so uh, yeah, White Sox Astros will get, and there. that was just nervous energy. That wasn't, nobody was excited for that. Everyone was nervous game 163 and wildcard game. I no, I'm telling you yeah, the feeling I, there was just like, well, <laughs> like, you know, we've talked about this before. before. <laughs> yeah. Like game 163 again, this, it's not just hindsight. Cause I was there like to say it, there was a full on expectation that the Cubs would not win that game. And then when they did in fact, not win that game, there was a full-on expectation, a, a resignation to the fact that, like, yeah, the Rockies are going to win this wildcard game. The season's going to be over, and it's going to be, like, a, a reckoning. I mean, it's just – that was – anyway, we can – there are so many – we get to October, <laughs> and if your team isn't in the postseason, the whole thing just becomes a relitigation of every anniversary that pops up. <laughs> hey, you remember that thing that happened four years ago? And uh, So we got three game fours today in the postseason. Uh, Astros – White Sox, uh, Giants, Dodgers will be tonight. And then the very little discussed Brewers-Braves series. I feel like, I don't know if it's if it's just there aren't storylines in it or if it's the game times. You know, Jock Peterson stealing Anthony Rizzo's bat and hitting a home run while wearing his pearl necklace. I feel like that should be getting a little more attention than it is. And uh, for whatever reason, it's not. Um but all of those games, potential clinchers today. So that, that'll be fun and exciting. One series is over. And that was the Red Sox eliminating the Rays last night. Second straight walk-off. This time, Sands, crazy outfield bouncing rule uh, thing. And uh, did, did you guys, by the way, any any thoughts on on the, the, the ball that bounces off an outfielder out of play? Essentially becomes a ground rule double no matter where the runners were. Like it just doesn't happen that often, but yeah, I think that's why I'm fine with it. And like, I know people are like, well, now you just like intentionally hit the ball out when you're that takes, that's pretty damn hard. You, you know where you if, could if you, do it though. <laughs> it, I mean, we cover the place that it would be, ex, it would be easy enough runner on first base gapper. That's going to give the team the lead or give or one run and you swipe at it with your glove and you just swipe it right into the Ivy. 
Oh, it's gone. Yeah, but I mean, what? Like, you have to know that it's going to get stuck in there. I know. You have to feel comfortable. Like, that's you're but just if, taking but if a huge risk. But if it's and like... you also look like a defensive buffoon, and, <laughs> and I'm sure your manager is going to be like, "Oh, so you're not confident in your ability to feel the ball, but you're confident in your ability to smack it into the ivy." Okay, how does that affect your UZR or your defensive run saves? Calculated in there. Uh, so anyway. Uh, the other big discourse item that came out of the Rays Red Sox series is is the idea that and it just it just happens every year. You know, the the Rays, fantastic regular season team. They do things differently than other teams. It works really well. They're like the early what two thousands A's, uh, and then postseason comes and they can't win in the postseason. I know what my perspective is on that, but how do you guys react to when when that's what people say about the Rays? I don't I I'm not sure like I don't see how it adds up I guess uh I mean what what is it about them uh, I'd like to know specifically what it is about them that people think doesn't work in the postseason because if it's like the whole bullpenning thing that that works in the postseason we've seen it work in the postseason and it's it's the question has always been can that work in the regular season and which is what the Rays did you know during the regular season is pretty impressive uh their offense is awesome. Uh, does their offense not work in the postseason? I don't see how how you can suggest that. I I think you know they ran out of pitchers. I think if you wanna if you wanna pinpoint something, it's you know maybe they need their starters to go deeper at times, uh, but they don't need five guys to do that. They don't even need four guys. They just needed one or two more guys to go a little bit deeper, I think. And, and that, that that's a different series, but it's also a great Red Sox offense. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think you can, I, I'd like to know specifically what someone would suggest doesn't work in the postseason, And, and I could rebut that if I, if I disagreed, but I, I don't know if, uh, if there's something specific in there or if it's just like, well, this group of laundry doesn't, uh, doesn't do well in the postseason, even though they've made you know they've made the World Series twice. Uh, you know whatever you want to say about last season's postseason, but still, uh, they've they've gotten there. It's it's hard to win in the postseason. It's a little bit of randomness involved too. On some level, I think it's kind of refreshing when the Rays lose early in the postseason because I don't want to hear all off season. You know, owners and GMs pointing to, well, look what the Rays do, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like they're like, you know, the extreme outlier uh, with their own unique set of circumstances. And like, you know, one, you don't have to do what the Rays do. And two, <laughs> no one does the Rays better than the Rays. Like you can't like just magically copy that. And so, you know, I if I'm a fan, like I don't want to hear more about, you know, payroll efficiency or like short term assets or, you know, even the opener. I think that's, you know, things like that have robbed some of the entertainment value inherent to baseball, like when you see a Max Scherzer on the mound. So I don't know how much the Rays like actually influence other teams like to the like conspiracy level that I'm presenting here. But um, I think individually the Rays have a lot of like Kevin Cash seems like a great guy. Uh, Obviously their front office is extremely intelligent and creative and that 
they must be doing something right in on the player development side and the scouting side and kind of collaborating in ways that is really difficult to replicate but in terms of like a holding the rays up to the rest of the world is like this is how you should run your team i think that's really uh you know dangerous for the long-term health of the sport yeah i think that's all well put and to harmonize that with both what Sahadev said and what i think when this topic comes up just because the rays lost in this case a five game series to the red sox uh does not negate the fact that they clearly do some things well throughout the year nor does it mean nor does the fact that they had you know the best record in the al mean that you have to try to copy everything that they do that there isn't anything that that a larger market team could do better or whatever it's the the problem with this topic is that the the real answers I think are just tremendously unsexy. What and the answers are, yeah, they do some stuff well. You should maybe try to copy some of it, but not all of it. You should also try to spend some money. Boring answer, right? And then when a series ends and they lose, and it's like, well, sometimes that happens, right? Like maybe they were a 60-40 favorite. Well, sometimes the 40% chance happens. And sometimes it happens two years in a row and three years in a row. Like it's just there's a lot of randomness. And I know that's not fun because we want the postseason to be this glorious decorating and venerating of the best team baseball just ain't like that sorry statistically it's just not like that and it's not fun it's not sexy and we try to divine meaning from these outcomes because you know if you cover the sport you've got to fill several months now on the basis of what data you have and if you're a fan you sort of want to go back and think of what might have been or what could be improved this offseason to transform the outcome of that series against the Red Sox. Or if you're a player, I'm sure you think, ah, if I had just done this differently or if I just train in this way differently, then I will transform the outcome of next postseason. You know, spoiler alert, I just don't think that really happens. And I think instead the takeaway from a series like this should be, well, the Red Sox put themselves in a position to make the postseason. They won a wild card game and now they win a five game series and here they are in the, in the ALCS. That's why you try to give yourself a chance every year, period, full stop. Um, and so as it relates. One, one thing, sorry, I'm killing a transition from Brett once again. I, you I better do this, you Jim, Brett. <laughs> better land where I was transitioning this anyway. I, I well, <laughs> I I just wanted to touch on what Patrick said about how they you know and both of you touched on this not spending and how they treat off seasons and what they do and that is I where really I was going. See them. That is where I, I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we don't see them move some of their key guys. Like you know who who I don't know who's getting expensive, but maybe Randy Rosarena is close to getting expensive. I I don't know how close he is to Arb, but I'm just using him as an example. Seeing them move him at this point would be really frustrating if I were a Tampa Bay fan. Not that they have all these fans all across the country, but they're I, all in Montreal. It, it's kind of what they do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of what they do, and I I'd like to see them stop because I think at least with this group they have a really really talented group. And what I was touching on with the pitching, it's basically a year away, right? It, I mean, McClanahan and is it Boz or Baz? I don't know how uh, how it's pronounced, but. Those two guys are basically, you know, this was their year to kind of build up and though they should turn into five, six, seven inning guys. You have two of those with the way they are able to mix and match and the way they're able to get through innings. 
uh, with their bullpen and and just call up guys every other you know week and 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 find different relievers. I think you just need two starters to go a little deeper uh, with this offense, with this defense, with everything that they do so well. That's a team that should go into next year as the favorites. As long as you're not continually saying, well, we can't spend money, we can't do this. Uh, obviously, Nelson Cruz is off the books, right? That's that's right. But, you know, you'd like to see them do something uh, to kind of keep this together and not just, well, we're so good at this, we can just keep resetting and resetting and resetting. At a certain point, you need to stick with what's working. And, and they have some young superstars in Arena and Wander Franco, I, I say, try and keep it as much of this together for at least another year uh, because I know it was a first round knockout, but that team should go into next year as heavy favorites. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call one eight hundred direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so uh, turning away momentarily from the postseason conversation, um, which is uh, is still going to be the sort of lifeblood of the broader sports conversation for us in the coming weeks, but you know, off season is coming. So we, we are going to start dipping into that. Well, and I thought that, uh, you guys did a chat at the athletic recently that actually did a good job of, of setting up a lot of those conversations. Um, it's it, you, even if you weren't able to participate, folks go to the Q and a at, at the athletic and read it. Cause I, I actually wasn't able to participate, but I read it later and shoot i know most of what these guys are gonna say from doing this pod but like i still enjoy reading it i still enjoy seeing their perspectives and one thing well i'll flip it to you mooney because you you experienced this a lot in the chat and we wanted to set up a conversation but what what is something that you noticed in the chat that a lot of people wanted to wanted to talk to you about the love for nick castellanos is still there and i don't quite understand the fit from either side at this point like 
even though that 2019 season ended in just total failure, um, if you recall Wrigley Field at that time of 40,000 fans going crazy, you still had this core, you had kind of this drama surrounding Joe Madden. I mean, the Wrigley was this destination and from Nick Castellanos coming from Detroit. It was like, you know, a, a reawakening. Is Wrigley Field still that destination for like a designator hitter who's in his early thirties or whatever his age is. And if you're the Cubs and you have <laughs> one reliable starting pitcher, an all-star catcher, and like a couple role players, like you don't have a shortstop. Are you going to really go all in on on designated hitter? So I, I just feel like that was this kind of moment in time for the Cubs and Nick Castellanos, and they'll always have that. But in terms of him being the guy, which Brett, as you pointed out, if he opts out, he'd be attached to a qualifying offer, correct? There's no way they're giving up that draft pick for Nick Castellanos. Period. Like all, any whoever accepts a qualifying offer, you can look at the list on MLB trade rumors when it comes out and just like cross them off. And they yep. were already kind of on the like extreme long shot end of the spectrum. It was only if they fell things fell a certain way. Once you put that on it, like no, like we can just end that speculation right there. Yeah, I think uh, let me let me take the reins as the resident Cubs fan and Nick Castellanos piner because we just can't help ourselves as fans. And a lot of that is just that those two months he was so damn good and just said all the right things, played a way that we hadn't seen and gotten to experience. And I mean, both in terms of his intensity, but just his performance at the plate, his style of hitting was not something that that we'd had experienced in a while. And so I think there's always going to be that residual affection there but everything that you said is true and and i think the the tricky thing is wanting to have it both ways as as a fan and an evaluator of the cubs knowing that are they gonna go very long term very high dollar on any bat this offseason particularly one tied to draft pick compensation we, for reasons that we've discussed on this podcast many times, we don't see that. We don't see that as the time right now. And I think the part of this that's makes it even more challenging to see is that, you know, Castellanos has a say in this too. And he, for all his affection for Chicago and for uh, the success that he had there, I mean, you know, he's going to want to win. This is a guy who played so long for so many terrible Tigers teams that it was, yeah, maybe it was some special Cubs magic, but I think largely it was just getting into a post pennant race and like being on a really good team that energized him because you sort of always got that sense from him that just that, that level of competitiveness is just sort of, he's one of these guys that it sort of ticks him up a notch. And, you know, he lingered a bit in free agency the last time around. Ultimately, I think having to sign with the Reds because that was the only place he was going to get a deal like what he got. But uh, Scott Boris ensured that he also got two opt-outs in there so that he could take these cracks. And now that he's getting this chance, I have a harder time seeing him being willing to go somewhere that he doesn't feel is going to win right away. And while we certainly want to see the Cubs set themselves up to be a team that can compete in 2022, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to look that way to 
uh, free agents. And, and so in that case, Cubs would have to really step up financially to make it worth it for Castellanos to come to the Cubs. And um, with the needs in the rotation, with the needs at shortstop, it is, it's a tougher fit. I will say this. I think, you know, although he has some of those highly visible blunders out there in the outfield. We saw some in the series with the Cubs this year. Uh, you know, he rates out as, as only slightly below average in the outfield. And so if you sort of could sell yourself mentally on him being a corner outfielder, the Cubs have needs out there too. I mean, it's, it is just as needy as shortstop, uh, I, I would argue. And so I think I can make the positional fit. I think I can make the argument that if he finds that his market is not super robust. If it's not getting up into the four or five year range, you know, I don't know, three years of Castellanos and you give up that high second rounder in the process there's, I think I can convince myself, but I have to also recognize that I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting to get there. And so that means that it's probably not super logical and uh, that that means it's high, It's pretty unlikely. I'll give you one thing, Brett, that you can, if you were looking for some hope to cling to. I would love anything. The, I will take anything. The last week of the season, <laughs> that Thursday in Pittsburgh, the Reds had an off day, so they came in early. And so as I was leaving Starbucks, I was walking through downtown Pittsburgh, I saw Castellanos and Hayward were going on a walk together. Oh, man. I'm tweeting as we as we speak. <laughs> there you go. Source. Nick Castellanos. But that's been kind of well documented that that he got along well with Hayward and that I do think Castellanos obviously I mean Sade you take over here you talk to him like you talk to him right around the the trade deadline yeah I mean he wants to win he's he wants to go to a winner but that doesn't I don't think I think if the Cubs show some signs that they'll be aggressive in free agency which you know, they will be aggressive, but not in the way that I think Castellanos or, uh, you know, many fans would like. Right. Uh, they w- they want they need to be a team that's super aggressive in free agency to the point where it's like you add like three or four big money uh, free agents in the sense that these guys are going to be around for a while. Right. Uh, think about uh, the transition from 2006 to 2007 type thing. Uh, he, he is close with Hayward. Hayward is, I think the only guy that he still regularly talks to. This was even before the deadline. He said he was, he texted with him pretty regularly. I think they're good friends. Uh, so for all those people clamoring for Jason Hayward to be DFA, this is the only chance he got. You got to keep Hayward around and then he's got to recruit Castellanos and convince him that, uh, it's the. The Castellanos, uh, Hayward, Brennan Davis uh, outfield is is the future <laughs> for uh, for the for Cubs fans. Uh, yeah, I you know I, he'd consider anything, but he wants to win. I think you, you were spot on with that, Brett. Like he there's there's certain guys that just uh, reach another level when they're competing for a playoff spot, and and I think uh, I talked to him right around the time when when they had just acquired a couple of relievers, the Reds, right? Even though it was small, they were small moves, that type of stuff pumps up a clubhouse, especially one that uh, they, those guys I don't think have been to the postseason in a few years. Uh, it, it gets them excited. It gets them thinking like, you know, you, you try and take your game to another level because it's like, okay, they believe in us. They think we can get, go somewhere, do something. Sure, it's not getting Max Scherzer and uh, Trey Turner, but but – any little thing can help a clubhouse. Any 
any sign you send your your group that you believe in them, I think uh, gives you a little mental lift. And those types of things matter. Uh, but yeah, I agree with the ultimate point that it's a long shot. Uh, he'd be fun to cover and he'd be, he's, you know, I know he's a fan favorite. I do enjoy how, seeing the Reds come in town and just how many Castellanos fans Two months the dude was in town, and he just captivated <laughs> Cubs fans. I, I think that's kind of cool. Like I, He appreciates it, too, but I, I don't think that's enough to bring him back. Well, we probably haven't addressed the elephant in the room, that if you bring Nick Castellanos back, uh, a whole lot of bad news is going to follow. I mean, if you want him to do well and be hitting home runs, you know, he only <laughs> homers attendant to some very bad and embarrassing things. So that is a that's one of those hidden costs. Uh, yeah. So I think you know we'll we'll leave it there as it relates to the Cubs specifically. I think that um, his will be an interesting free agent process because you know he's making these decisions, both the opt out decision, which um, you know I don't want to treat like a foregone conclusion, but I think he'll be able to do significantly better than the two years left on his deal, and then the qualifying offer decision, which would be sort of a higher AAV one year deal that he will probably decline, but. He's got to make those decisions well in advance of the CBA being resolved. And then we've got a CBA where everyone is assuming that a universal designated hitter is coming, but we don't absolutely know it. It's not in stone yet. And that is, he's the kind of guy for whom that would transform his market. And so, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I don't see his market collapsing or anything like that. Uh, And I think that for every argument we could make as to why the Cubs are a good fallback fit for him. There's probably 10 teams for whom that is true as well, but you know, that, that special allure of those two months in 2019, that's, that's probably always going to keep him on our radar a, a little bit more than most. And so I was entertained when I saw that in the Q and a that he consistently came up. It's like, are the Cubs going to bring back any of the old, any of the guys, you know, Bryant, uh, Javi Rizzo Castellanos, uh, Schwarber <laughs> rarely mentioned by the way, but like it's, it's as if he was just traded, uh, at the deadline by the Cubs. So, uh, any other, any rap stuff on that you guys want to get into? I think, I think we've, we've hit some good stuff in this one. We're good. We're good. I get the yeah. nods, getting the nods, getting the sign off nods, wrap it up, Brett, <laughs> uh, <laughs> producer Michael's like, all right, get on. So, Hey, this is on to Waveland. We thank you as always for listening as we talk about the Cubs and baseball here at The Athletic. Get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, any others that I'm not aware of. And uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mom, and make sure you read Sahadev's and Patrick's great work at The Athletic. They had a big scoop, big scoop in the last few days on the GM search, man, I'm not kidding. When I tell you, I saw the tweet. Sahadev tweeted it first, but it's kudos to both of you. When I saw that, I was like, oh, hell yes, we're getting some names finally. So I was very excited about that. Make sure you check that out if you haven't already. And uh, their Q&A, like I said, was good and interesting. Uh, Again, Sahadev Sharma, Patrick Mooney. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And we will talk to you again soon. Take care. 